One of the reasons why I come here was, you know, we, we spied out the land and we, we decided that the land was good. Do you know what I mean? We, it's like, man, this is, this is, such, a, this is such a great place. There's so, this heap of opportunity here. There's growth here. There's all of that. And that was just something for me. Well, one of the things that I've found over the last 18 months is, I don't know about you, but, like, I come from, I come from a city. Um, I was busy in that city. I was, um, you know, I had stuff on almost, um, you know, almost every night, you know, sometimes multiple things. And it's really interesting that coming here, um, one of the things that I find myself now and at the, the point that I'm at right at this moment is I find myself almost busier than I've ever been before. And we all have those busy times in life, all right? We all have that. Our days are filled with all kinds of stuff. So I've got to... I've got to and so this is where today comes from because I just... I guess more than anything else, I'm just wanting to remind myself, and so if it's something that's going to remind me and challenge me, then there's probably going to be someone else here that's going to be encouraged and challenged by it as well, okay? So here we go. I've got a riddle for you, okay? Looking at Cam, because Cam's going to be the one that gets the answer. Good job, Cam. I'm believing in you, full faith in you. All right. You guys might need to help him to get the answer, all right? So, So here's the riddle. It's free but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. What is it? Oh, who said that? Susie! Oh, yeah, all right. We need to get chocolates. We need to get chocolates. That was a chocolate moment. Um, At school, you would have got a merit for that. That's um, that's amazing. Yeah, so time. Now, I don't know about you, but um, at at different parts of my life, sometimes I seem to have all the time in the world. In other parts of my life, I seem to be, time seems to be this crazy master that I'm like the slave to. And so if that's that's true for me, I'm sure it has to be true for someone else. And so I just wanted to bring a wee bit of a biblical perspective to that. To be honest, it's just one really, really simple thought. And actually, you know what? Sometimes one simple thought's okay for a message. Okay. Um, as a teacher, one of the expectations that happens now is that I'm expected to be contactable and connectable like 24 hours a day. So I'll have kids that are um, at 11 o'clock at night sending me essay responses. Hey, can you check this for me? It's due tomorrow. Um, just give me some feedback. Thanks very much. Okay. Um, depending on what your work is, you've got um, it's an expectation now. Oh, you can do the next slide, buddy. Um, there's an expectation that you need to be contactable and connectable. You know, we live in a connected world, but sometimes that connection actually means that our, our, our focus and our attention is taken away from the here and now. So all kinds of things. We've now, we're now into the internet of things, so we're coming into a time, from a technological point of view, where your fridge will tell you if you've run out of milk. <laughs> like, that's, that's current technology that's... that's it's already available in America. You know, it's using those same wee things that um, causes the warehouse to go off, uh, the beep, 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 to go off in the warehouse in Alexandria like it always does. All right? Um, but we only... Oh, hit a nerve there, hey? I'm not the only one that's been shoplifting over the past year every time I go through that. Anyway, I'm not bitter. Um, but there's only a limited amount of time that we have. 
Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but one of the things I used to do growing up is I'd try and stuff as much as possible into my days because I thought that the most effective way to use my time is that if I just plan out everything, my whole week, I'll basically be able to get more done. I'll be able to achieve more. I'll be able to succeed in a, in a greater way. So I've got, a, I've got like this great inspirational video that freaks me out every time I watch it, and I'd love to show you guys that. Um, this is not necessarily my point of view, but it's a really inspirational video that makes you want to cry a little bit. Okay. If you do cry, um, we still need to get tissues. I'm so sorry about that. Um, there's toilet paper in there. Yeah. It's classy. We won't judge. You know. Um, you got an electric shot? Are you okay? Yeah, health and safety won't cover that. Go for it. Next slide. Oh. These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less. As New Zealanders, we live slightly longer time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years, 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you gonna do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying instead of doing something that you love. What if you just had one more day? What are you gonna do today? I don't know about you, but as a logical person, that puts me into an immediate state of panic. Oh my goodness! Um, um, someone really wise, who's, it's probably an Insta quote somewhere to be honest, says that you know, it's not the number of days in your life, it's the amount of life in your days. And um, I think that's actually genuinely really important. I think one of the things that we need to think about um, 
I've got a future PowerPoint operator over there. Um, one of the things we need to think about... Uh, I saw Jamie and I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> one of the things that we need to think about is we need to think about the opportunities that we do have. So if you're waiting until the perfect time to share Jesus with your friends, um, if two, over 2,000 of your days are spent at work, then work's actually potentially a great place to do that. That becomes a mission field for you. Same with sports, same with all of those activities that you just do life with people. See, if you start a conversation with people and keep it going, over time it looks a lot like discipleship. It's just one of my beliefs. Like if you start a conversation, continue a conversation, you're eventually going to move closer to each other, aren't you? Um, so here's a it's, a, it's just a really, so time's non-renewable. Uh, non it's a non-renewable resource. So that's why they talk about things like time is money and how do you spend your time, all right? Now, the great thing is, is that has God in time or outside of time? He's outside of time. So that means that he's not limited by the amount of jelly beans that you have left. And I like that idea. He's not limited by the 24 hours in the day. He's not limited by the amount of time that we have. So there's this guy called Paul. You guys know who Paul is? Yeah. So one of the great things is he's one of, like, from my point of view, he's one of the hardest working, like, missionaries of all time. But he spent what's that? But he spent most of he spent most of his time actually building up people rather than build like, rather than his own acts. Like he spent most of his time connecting with people, resourcing with people. If you have a look at um, in the letters that he writes to churches, he mentions people specifically by name, asks about them, asks how they're doing, um, reminds them of times that they've spent together, all of that stuff. And anyway, in Philippians. Um, Philippians 3, 7 to 14, it's one, of the last it's one of the last passages that Paul writes about. He's getting to the end of his life, and he looks back at his life, and he concludes that there's actually two things that were important to him. First, a successful life is one that's focused on pleasing God, not ourselves. So that's really, that's really good. One of the things that is, is I don't know what you have as a marker for what success in your life is, it could be how many cars that you have. It could be whether you live in Pisa Moorings or Old Cromwell Town or somewhere else, I don't know. Um, it could be all of that. But when it comes down to it, it's not actually a case of working harder, trying to amalgamate all the stuff. When Paul looks back, he looks back on what, a, a life that pleases God and a life, um, the second point that he makes in Philippians 3.17 is that righteousness is not obtained through one's effort but through faith in Jesus Christ. See, one of the great things that we need to take a hold of is the fact that it's not a case of us ticking off all of these things on a list. My wife is a wonderful list maker. She makes lists all the time. Okay, she'll make lists about lists. Okay, because she's wanting to be productive. I'm not so much of a list maker, so when it comes to effectiveness and productivity, I think Shan's probably more productive than me. Oh, that's not a criticism, that's just awesome. Um, but the thing that, um, Paul, uh, that Paul talks about is that even with, it gets to the end of his life, he's lived a great life. The start of it was a bit rocky. He made some really terrible decisions up until quite late in his life. And then even when he gets to the end of his life, it says, not that I've already obtained this. So he hasn't, he hasn't even achieved the goals that he had for himself. Or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that's awesome. That takes away the whole work harder mentality. It takes away the whole idea that we need to get all of this stuff achieved. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever achieved my to-do list. Or if I have, I've probably forgotten five or six things off the bottom of it. It's probably more to the point. See, the thing is, is that we can fall into the trap of comparison. We can compare our lives to other people's lives. Um, And the issue with that being is that I'm called to do certain things in my life, and it has to be different to what you guys are called to do. It has to be. We don't have, we're not living the same cookie-cutter life. Um, Albert Einstein often gets um, misquoted to have said this. It's someone else, but... Um, Asher, can you flick on to the next slide? Yes, please, the weird picture. Good old Dali. So time's slipping away. It's, um, it's one of the most depressing pictures I can find, but I quite like Dali, just personally. Um, but Albert Einstein says, Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing it is stupid. If you compare your life to someone else's, and you're trying, to, you're trying to attain the same life, you're actually going to end up missing the mark. Okay? Like, we can all aspire to be like Jesus, and that's a good thing to want to do. But we don't want to live the exact same life that Jesus lived. Okay? He's called us to do our own thing. He's called us to, um, to achieve stuff. So if that's the case, how are you using your time? So there's this... Um, what's on the next slide, buddy? Oh, yeah. So there's this biblical view of time, all right? Um, and it was um, in, the, yep, in the days of the Bible, um, there was two ways that you could look at it. There was this one type called Kronos, and there was this other type called Kairos. Now, Kronos comes from, um, that's where you get the word chronological. So, you know, the days and the seconds and the, um, and the hours and the months and the years. Now, I don't know about you, as I get older, it gets faster and faster and faster. Um, so, if we've got a biblical view of time, we need to shift from Kronos to Kairos. So being reactive is often despised. We're told that being proactive is the best course of action, but what's the better model for effective stewardship? Is it the, the horse or the ox that sort of just trudges slowly from place to place to place, day in, day out, walking through from day to day, week to week, month to month, just doing this stuff, just finding out what the next step is. So we've got that, that idea Or is it better to be the hawk or the eagle whose sharp senses are scanning the area, looking for the the best opportunities, the greatest opportunities? See, Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16, says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, time being kairos, like that, because the days are evil. So in our zeal to be good stewards of our time, we can sometimes miss the wisdom of the Bible. Like from a secular point of view, from um, from a worldly point of view, you try and stuff as much as you can into your days. If I just stuff enough into my days, what that does for us is quite often it'll make us feel, um, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel quite frantic. It means that it leaves the first thing to go out my window is the time with God because it seems like optional time. Is it, you know? And we don't leave space for ourselves, we don't leave space for others, and we don't leave space for God. And as there to be good stewards of time, we can miss the wisdom of the Bible. We end up running headlong down a path that we think is correct, but we just get further away from where we should be. Such is the case with Kronos and Kairos, both are Greek words which mean time, but they imply different things. 
So chronos refers to minutes and seconds. It refers to time as a measurable resource. Kairos is the word for time used in Ephesians 5.16. Kairos means an, uh, an appointed time, an opportune moment, or a due season. Have you ever tried to make something happen and it wasn't the right season for it? And it's not until you keep banging yourself against the same, oh, I, can't, I can't figure out why I can't achieve this, I can't figure out why, and it just turns out to be the wrong time or the wrong season. So we tend to, as Westerners, we tend to think of our time in a chronos mindset. We think of having 24 hours in a day. We define our work weeks by the number of hours that we work. We have a list of things to do and only so much time to get everything done. Being conscious of our minutes and seconds is a good thing. Like, that, like otherwise, if I don't know about you, but I'd probably spend all my time playing Xbox. Um, you know, saving the world, but just theoretically. You know? <laughs> um, we should number our days, as the scriptures say. Our time on earth is so brief, and we want to be good stewards of every second that we have to glorify God on this earth. But ironically, this chronos mindset can make us miss what Paul's saying in Ephesians 5. Paul instructs us to redeem the kairos, to pay attention and take advantage of opportune times and seasons. Now, this is how we know that um, time flows differently. Now, I'm not saying that you can speed up time or slow down time, but just hear me out here. You perceive it in different ways. Have you ever noticed that in a boring, uh, let's say, an English lesson, where you have to write an essay, which, I, you know, have you ever noticed that, um, you know, a 60-minute English lesson can seem like six or seven hours if it's the, the wrong kind of content? Have you ever noticed that um, things like family gatherings, get-togethers, weddings, they're really great moments in your life, they could be five or six hours and they seem like ten minutes? I don't know about you, but my wedding day was the longest day of my life up until I got mar- uh, up until the point where I married Shannon, and then there's about four minutes for the rest of the day. It's just a just a flash. It's just like images. Yep. So there's this idea of this Kairos point of view. Um, Asha, next slide, buddy. So you got the seasons thing. I am seasons. Yeah, next slide, buddy. Yeah. And this is, my, this is actually my thought, and it's a really simple thought, and I don't know whether it's too simple. Um, I fully believe that there's God-appointed moments. I fully believe that at, rather than thinking of ourselves as going through day-to-day, minute-to-minute, second-to-second, have you noticed that in the Bible, you've got people that don't even begin their ministry until they're quite late in life? Can you imagine freaking out for the rest of your life going, oh, I've missed it, I've missed it? I've missed it. I've missed that one opportunity. I've missed my shot. I've missed my opportunity. Um, we only have such a brief opportunity to shepherd our kids when they're still young children. When a, uh, when a friend is experiencing pain, we have a brief window of time in which to reach out to them. See, in Ecclesiastes, and I'm not going to read it all out, but it's that passage where there's a time for everything and, every, and, every, and a time for every season, a time to live, a time to die, a time to... Like, and there's this massive big list of it. See, the thing that we have to understand is that there's a difference between wasting time and wasting opportunities. All right? So you don't need to define your life by how much time you've wasted or how much time, you've, um, how much time you have left or anything like that because then you sort of get that hourglass mentality. Have you ever looked at an hourglass? Uh, so we had this one English teacher, right? And she was a really, she was this old school, had a bun... 
pulled back. Um, she'd do things like, okay, we need to prepare you for university, so I'm not going to write any notes. You just need to write notes from what I say. It was actually genuinely useful, but at the time, unbelievably annoying. When she got us to write essays, she'd have this big hourglass. And it was literally an hourglass. It, it would last the entire period, and you'd flick it over, and then you'd see the, sound, the sand going from the top to the bottom. And sort of the more sand that went out, it was a bit like the jelly bean thing. It got to the point where... You know, it actually added pressure and all of that stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but, like, statistically speaking, um, uh, I'm getting close to halfway through the years that are allotted to me. That freaks me out. I'm already, I'm already past the point that Jesus died. When I'm 30, when, I don't know about you, but when I turned 30, man, I was, on, I was on fire. It's like, all right, into the Jesus ministry years now. What we're going to do is we're going to, you know, and then I got to 31, 32. 33, pretty glad I didn't get crucified, to be fair. All right, that wasn't, that wasn't on my list of things to do. But now coming into the season where basically I'm going from the point where I'm, I want to stop counting away the days and the hours like the sand's going through the hourglass. I want to start looking for opportunities. I want to look for those moments that God has ordained for me to step through. And it's a bit of a, it is a bit of a mindset change, and it, but it's an important mindset change. This, um, this requires, so changing our mindset, this requires us to make a mental shift. Instead of looking at our time as grains of sand slipping through the hourglass, we view our time as opportunities flying by. Now, in order to take hold of those opportunities, we need to give enough space in our life to actually be able to walk through it, walk through those doors. Instead of viewing our uh, time as seconds ticking by, we realise that not every second holds the same worth. Some moments are more valuable than other moments. The five minutes that I have a chance to share with my kids or five minutes I have a chance to share the gospel with a friend is more valuable five minutes than checking my emails. <coughs> I have to take advantage of my opportunities. We need to change our view of what effectiveness really is. Though we want to use our minutes and seconds wisely, biblical effectiveness is not necessarily us ramming as much as we can into 24 hours. It's not putting our heads down and ploughing the field with as much vigour as we can master because at the end of the day you just end up ploughing one field very systematically. See, instead, as, as a good steward, we need to be ones that are watching whose senses are attuned to the slightest hint of an opportunity. There's God opportunities available for us every single day. He's a hawk on the lookout. I love that idea of we can either be the ox or the, or the eagle. We went and saw um, a guy called Steve Graham on Monday, and he talked about this, which was just fabulous. You know, we can be the ox that just goes day in, day out, just doing the work, or we can be the, e that we can be the eagle, that sort of, that soaring above, looking for the right moments, looking for the right, the right things that God wants us to, to land on and pounce on. The effective steward not only recognises these, these kairos opportunities, but has the courage to leap upon them with all of his might. And the effective steward has organised his schedule in such a way that leaves him open to seizing those opportunities. Don't let your diligence towards Kronos choke out your attention to kairos. Are you an ox or an eagle? Um, God's timing is perfect. You haven't missed it. You haven't missed your opportunities. There's always more opportunities to come. Different doorways might reach the same destination. So you don't need to live in the moment. You don't need to live in the, the fact that you've missed certain opportunities. You can look forward. You can press on towards the goal. It's absolutely okay. God's timing is perfect. 
we're gonna. Where did Shannon go? Oh. Hey, love. Um, we're gonna finish up, Shannon. That's that's just my thought. Okay. Uh, understand it's, it might not be three points, and it might not be fully developed in that, but that was the word that I had for today. So I just pray that you guys are richly blessed by it. Think about your Kairos moments. Think about your Kronos moments. If you feel like you've missed it, it's okay. It's okay. The best is yet to come. So I just love to pray for you guys. There's prayer available. If anyone needs prayer after the service, whether it's for healing, whether it's for just anything that we've talked about today, we'd love to pray for you. But Lord, I just thank you for these ones. I thank you that we're, um, even though our, our days are preordained, Lord, that you, put, you provide opportunities for us. So God, I just pray that um, you give us eyes to see. I pray that you give us a heart to reach out. And I pray that you give us that hawk-like mentality. That when we see those opportunities, you give us the courage and the boldness to step through those doors. Lord, Lord I thank you for the time that you've given us. Help us to steward it wisely in your mighty name. Amen.